Welcome back and thanks for joining me for another episode of Inside the Rope, the podcast where we speak to the leading minds in wealth management. In this episode, I'm really excited to be bringing you my conversation with Carl Wellner. Carl is the CEO and chairman of Papamaku Wellner, an asset management advice firm based out of New York that provides advice to some of Europe and the USA's wealthiest individuals, families, family offices, and endowments. Carl talks to us about his investment outlook and the way he goes about providing advice to those types of clients that's been formed over the years in his advice provision to some of Europe's leading aristocrats right through to some of the Google founders. We talk to him about how thinking globally has become necessary given the locations of his clients and the importance that gives to the diversification of the portfolios and investments he pursues for clients. Please remember this podcast, nor any of the podcasts in this series, designed to be specific, nor are they specific investment advice. And people are always encouraged to make their own inquiries, receive their own advice before making any investments. We also remind you that you're all welcome to come along to the celebration and the live event to celebrate the the recording of the 100th episode. That'll take place in Sydney on the 24th of February, 2022, and in Melbourne on the 3rd of March. Please email me at david.clark at codacapital.com if you'd like to come along. Enjoy the episode. Carl Wellner, welcome to Inside the Road. Thank you very much, David. Well, Carl, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, perhaps you could kick off by giving us uh, a bit of a background, your personal background, um, and maybe touching on some of the things that have led to you know, shaping the way you think about markets and investments and who you are today. Be happy to. Um, I'm originally from Sweden. I'm not an American by birth. Uh, I grew up in Stockholm. I have an MBA from Stockholm School of Economics. I lived in Switzerland before I came to the United States in 1983 to join a firm, the Volvo Group, an investment firm uh, that is. And it was supposed to be for a couple of years, but lo and behold, here I am still 40 years later. Um, and um, and the firm uh, that I am uh, that I have right now is Papa Marco Wellner Asset Management. Um, uh, I took over twenty years, about twenty years ago, uh, when the founder Aleko Papa Marco, a Greek uh, gentleman, Greek American, uh, passed away, and there were no heirs. And one of the trustees came to me and said, "Listen, you need to take a look at this. It's a high." Uh, high net worth individual uh, investment boutique firm. And, and I think you would be a very good fit because you have the multicultural background uh, and understand different ways of thinking across the Atlantic. Um, so uh, about 20 years ago, as I said, I came in and I subsequently acquired the firm. Um, and I'm, I'm pleased to say that we have a very loyal and wonderful client base, um, starting off with many of the Greek shipping families that were there originally uh, almost 40 years ago now. Next year is our anniversary, 40th anniversary. And their friends in Europe and then their friends in America. And since I took over, obviously, there are a lot of new investors. But what makes this firm interesting is that it sort of spans. We have a sense of uh, an international way of thinking. We see flow of funds. We understand different cultures. And, and that is helpful when you look at the world from an investment perspective. 
I think that's um, what, what is, and particularly, I, I would imagine um, for many American investors and clients, they, they would be quite US centric. Um, I'm interested in your perspective and how that's been shaped by that sort of exposure and client base um, with regard to diversification, how you think about sort of investments on a global stage. Yeah, Americans are very um, domestic thinking because they have the largest capital market in the world and they feel that there is a legal infrastructure in place that they can trust and there are a lot of opportunities. They don't necessarily need to go abroad. But that said, they're curious about the rest of the world and Americans do invest all over the world, uh, also private individuals. And they look to a firm like ours, trying to understand a little bit uh, how it works and what type of investments we would look at from, from our angle. So we add value there. On the other side of the coin is you have the international investors who look to us to be their eyes and ears um, in the US marketplace. They don't quite understand it, but they wanna see our ideas and our thoughts and uh, so we vet things for them and, and try to make them understand what works um, in, in, in their investment portfolio. And for the benefit of our listeners, could you perhaps describe what the typical client looks and feels like and what sort of issues they're facing into? Very different diversified client base. Some are um, inherited wealth. We have multi-generational clients uh, since the firm is 40 years old. We had the patriarch once upon a time, and now it's maybe the grandchildren who have taken over. Uh, we know that relationship very well. We also have newly uh, minted, uh, very wealthy individuals that may have uh, invented something. We have some of the Google founders, for instance, that, that are with us um, and they're younger. They have a much more they have a different outlook on the world. Uh, so you have everything from the uh, relatively unsophisticated from an investment standpoint uh, client to a very sophisticated um, an informed investment client to entrepreneurs that have not really had time to focus on their on their uh, portfolio because they're they've been 100% full force working on their developing whatever it may be um, in the internet world. Uh, so it, it becomes like a bespoke firm. It's like Savile Row in London. Uh, you know, you walk in, you make take the measurements, you make sure that this suits fits you, and it's the same thing. And when it comes to investing, we're not an off-the-shelf firm where we take something, just you know, sell it. Uh, we're not selling anything. We are counselors. We're advisors. We're trying to find uh, the best opportunities for our investors, our clients. Um, we truly try to understand their objectives, their needs, their risk tolerance. Uh, so every client is different, and and it takes time. It takes it, but it also creates a very close relationship between, between us and between the client. It's a trusted relationship. It's like your doctor or your lawyer that you have had for a long time that you call up and you, you, you talk very intimately. Sometimes we don't even talk investments because you just get to know each other and you become friends. And Carl, I'm intrigued as to how you go about understanding the objectives of those clients, particularly those newer clients that may have come out of a technology business, as you said, and they may have been focused completely on building whatever that electronic mousetrap is or, or similar. I'd imagine with the 
the long-standing multi-generational families, you understand their objectives and how they operate and how they think about things. But uh, what sort of techniques or well, what it is, is it takes time to truly under, understand uh, what uh, someone's facing that. Um, if I heard your question correctly, it, it takes time to uh, understand an individual's objectives. You, you have to meet face-to-face. -face. Uh, he or she may say, I just sold my company. I have $50 million in cash. What do I do with the money? Well, before I or we can answer that question, we need to understand the family dynamics. What is your objective? Do you have enough money to, to live? Is this extra money? Or you know, what, what makes you tick? What is it that matters to you? And then you know, one meeting is not enough. There are several meetings. And then we would come with an idea or a thought and say, what do you think about this? And then you discuss it. And, and after a while, it's it sort of it, it, the profile clears and, and you start understanding what it is that actually works for them. It's not about us. It's about what works for the investor. And, um, and we come with some ideas. They may dip their toe in the water. And after a while, it becomes a comfortable relationship. They top up. And before you know it, it may become a very important relationship. We may not be the only advisor. It depends on the, 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 the size of the, uh, of the wealth. Um, there may be several other advisors, and we don't know the other ones, but they may test one versus the other. So again, it's about a personal relationship. It is, you know, you have to click. It's about chemistry. It's about trust. It's about confidence. And Carl, are there any patterns that you see emerging or... Uh, typical themes that come about in that intergenerational wealth space that, space that you have to address or common problems you see families facing into? Well, some families are very concerned uh, about their wealth, that they, you know, they have made the money, they don't want to lose the money. Uh, so be very conservative with whatever you do. There are others who are bigger risk takers. They may be younger in age and they say, listen, I have a bucket here that, is, that I really want to invest very aggressively, I'm gonna make 40 times my money. If you lose it, I don't care. I want the best edgy ideas out there. So it spans the whole, uh, you know, a very wide range. And again, it's the conversations that lead up to a final decision on, on, on where to go. And then we try to explain to them too. It's not, you know, we shouldn't talk about this particular investment every day. Uh, we find, something that works and then we let it run for a while because as you know more, more than anyone things go up and down and it's not a sprint it's a marathon investing is not day trading and our clients are not day traders they have wealth that needs to be managed and managed thoughtfully we have the team we do the analysis we're very careful what we do because Again, I don't want to ruin a relationship for, for a quick buck. That's not at all our philosophy. And Carl, you talked about that sort of global outlook that you have and those best ideas that you're looking at. Right, right at this stage in the economy, what are some of those better ideas that you believe uh, there's opportunities that are present um, that may not have been present 10 or 15 years ago where it may have been 
or bonds and shares, for instance. Exactly. Uh, most people are already invested in stocks and bonds, as you say, um, and they're looking at unique opportunities that are not that are a little bit under the radar and that's really where our edge is we find ideas that are not generally out there on every bank platform many of these ideas come from our own families from our own clients that are in a business have been in a business for many many years and they see an opportunity they say to us listen we have gone through cycles. We have seen this here, for instance, in one case with metals. We see how the metal prices swing. These are noble alloys that have been, that are used in manufacturing or in steel production, et cetera. We see how the prices go up and down. We wanna take advantage of the opportunity of the low prices now and um, buy in bulk, hold, the price goes up. Sounds simple, but they know what they're doing. Uh, and then they sell it. That's a unique opportunity that is also not, it's, it's, it doesn't, the inflation, this is a good inflation hedge, for example, and it's a good diversifier in the portfolio. And that came from one family. And we have done this with them now already three, four times um, where the theory has played out very well. Of course, there's nothing without risk as, as we all know, otherwise it would be very easy. But at least it's something we have vetted carefully we trust the individuals that are doing it. We know that they know their business better than anyone. We are willing and ready to hitch our wagon and our client's wagon to this opportunity. Of course, you shouldn't put all eggs in one basket, but it's a very interesting idea that is limited in size that not many, many people know about, but if it's a fit for you, then you should be part of this. And Carl, what, what are what areas of the market, if any, uh, keep, give you sleepless nights at the moment that you're concerned about that are potential red flags? Well, right now, the equity markets, because we're speaking when we are with uh, COVID raging in again, and, and, and there's so much volatility, not necessarily um, fundamental volatility, but it's just the nervousness in general. Of course, people don't want to see their portfolio lose in value. Um, the tech sector, we believe in very strongly. Well, they have really been beaten up lately. But, you know, again, as I said earlier, it's a marathon. It's not, it's not a sprint. So you look at the world where it's going these days and you're saying we are going to be more and more tech, um, uh, beholden to tech than we ever have been. Everything is, is getting more and more um, tech-oriented, all the apps that we use and uh, IA, et cetera, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, so it's a sector that we really do invest and we believe in it longer term. So we shouldn't get too rattled uh, just because the market is misbehaving. In general, um, I'm trying to tell the clients, don't worry, markets go up, markets go down. Historically, they tend to, to go in, in, in a positive direction. And that's really how you have to look at it. Are there any, well, fixed income, for instance, is an area which really hasn't been very strong and, and we're not in it very much at all at this point because of the interest rates being as low as they are. And areas like uh, digital currencies, crypto, and those sort of areas, are they, are they areas that you will delve into potentially for some of those clients who say, look, I want really aggressive, fast growing portfolios? 
We have some who insist on it. I'm personally not a, a, a great fan. I'm sure that I'll be proven wrong down the road, but we don't have to be on the first train. We can wait a little bit till we see how all of this plays out. It's still very unregulated. The same thing comes with the cannabis industry, which is growing tremendously. Uh, interesting place to be in. We are very cautious when it comes to that. If we have an investor client who says, I wanna be in it, well, then we'll do it, but we'll also have a disclosure that says it was your choice, it was your decision, it was you who asked for it. So we would not necessarily present those ideas. We know where to go to find them, and we can try to find the best people that are involved in that particular end of the business. We try to check their backgrounds. We try to make sure that, that everything that they do are, is, is correct. Um, obviously, there are limits to what we can check, but at least the the management teams, we try to vet their backgrounds so that the advice that we can give uh, in, in, uh, on this thin ice is, is as solid as it, as, it, as it can be. And Carl, one of the trends that seems to be uh, overwhelming almost on a global, global scale is this thirst for either impact, ethical, social or governance in that area, um, all things green, um, and socially responsible in that. How, how are you dealing with or thinking about um, the demand for impact investments and how do you see that playing out? Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's growing in interest. And again, we try to follow our clients too when they ask about a particular sector or segment of the market that we do more research there. When it comes to um, ESG and for instance, water is a, is a, is a scarcity and, and water um, infrastructure is a real issue in the United States, for instance. You have many communities where they haven't put the money back into um, uh, maintaining the water infrastructure system. So we're involved in a fund with very knowledgeable people who go in and take over these um, community water, uh, sewage facilities, et cetera, and, and try to put money in or, or do put money in to embedder them. And, and, and that's, that's a very interesting sector. And that certainly is an environmental uh, issue on a local level, which, which matters. And Carl, when you're assessing different managers, what are the characteristics you think of a leading manager? What are the things that you look for in order to select a manager? for your client's portfolio? Uh, there's always someone who pulls a trigger. So it's about understanding and, and really vetting the individual and the team, making sure that they check all the boxes. We do very thorough due diligence. We don't come quickly to an idea. We meet them, uh, we are in their offices, we check references. Um, on all levels, uh, we call competitors and, and listen to how, what competitors think about them. And very often, you know, that gives you a good indication of someone. So again, it's about the individual, it's about the management team. Um, and, and if the idea makes sense to us, um, then we tend to, to go with it. We have a, a, a formal process um, the research team, they do a very thorough job, it gets presented to our investment committee and everyone on the investment committee will throw tough questions at the one who proposes a particular investment and, and, and then we vote on it. And once it's voted, then we do one more check and then eventually is ready 
to be put on our platform. We're not going to go out to every client with every idea. We know our clients, as I said earlier, very well. And we know that these 10 parties here, it could be a suitable investment. So we reach out to them and we talk to them about it because we feel that that's really where they should be. They may say yes or no, but they know we're not going to waste their time with an idea that we don't think is suitable. They may decide for whatever reason uh, not to invest, but Again, it's know your client and know what it is that makes sense to them. We're not there peddling or selling or trying to push an idea or a thought. It's, it's the relationship. And with a particular investment manager that you're assessing on behalf of your clients, how much weight do you put on the key people within that organization versus the, the firm and the systems and the processes of the firm? Or is there some sort of weighting in your mind? Well, the key people are obviously very important. And there's this key man risk factor that we often write up about what happens if Joe here, you know, gets hit by a bus. What does that do to the business? Of course, everything else has to has to play out as well. And we go into the offices, we talk to the people in the office, then we go and revisit when we go. If we have a manager we've invested with, we have to, and we do go back on a, on a regular basis and check you know, every six months or so and, and meet them. Are the same people still in the back office? Are there new people there? You know, what does the atmosphere look like? What does it feel like? Has something changed? Is there a red Ferrari in the parking lot? If that is the case, then that may be a red flag. Maybe the manager has too fast a lifestyle. Uh, it's about solidity. It's about... Uh, you know, working hard. It's about having great ideas and 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 really doing uh, doing a thorough job. And and so you know, people are key to anything. And how do you think about and position performance management with clients? You know, there's often a, a large debate about what what is the right way to assess performance when you look back and you review. Should that be uh, relative to inflation, to certain benchmarks, to certain marks. How do you tend to think about that and talk about that with your clients, Carl? Well, zero is the number, obviously. And, and you know, it's sort of, I put $1 in if I have more than a dollar back or less than a dollar back. That's really how you have to look at it. You can have the most sophisticated formulas and models and everything. But at the end of the day, did I make more money than I lost? Some, some clients get hung up on fees and they're saying, well, it's so expensive and there are fees on fees. And don't worry about the fees. Are you getting what you are looking for? Are you making money with this manager? Let him her, or her make money. It, that's really irrelevant here. We have already checked it. And there is a reason for why there are certain fees and certain layers of fees. It has to be fair. It has to be market. But um, you know, you have to explain how the manager is thinking. The tough thing is if they're invested with a manager, always <laughs> tends to happen, and then the manager has had a tremendous performance for a long period of time, and then it tanks. Trying to say to the investor, stay put. This is for the long haul. It is not this month, next month. Look at what the market is doing. Look at what tech, for instance, is doing. Um, weigh it against their peers. A peer group analysis is really important. Are they doing better than their peers in the same segment of the market or are they doing worse? And so you try to sort of explain and walk through it. The worst thing anyone can do is, and we had that happen in 2000 and 
uh, and eight actually, uh, it's, a, it's a sad example where the client calls up and was in equities and uh, said, the market was tanking and called me up and said, sell. What do you mean sell? Sell everything. What do you mean sell everything? Yes, sell everything. We wanna get out of everything. I said, I advise against it, but it's obvious if you insist on it, we'll do that. So we sold. The client, the market turned as you remember and went back up. The client came back in again um, at a much higher point. You can't say told you so, so you have to sort of have a, a conversation. Um, but the client acknowledged this and said, next time I say the same thing, I'm gonna have a paper that says you can override my decision <laughs> going back to this date. So again, it's a long term, it's a long game. It's, it's, you can't look at it on a daily basis. It also gives you, gives you heartburn and, and, and ulcers if you constantly worry from a day-to-day -day basis. Are you positioned well? Then stick with it, reassess at a certain point in time, but not every day. I think that's uh, so true. I think that uh, behavioral battle that many investors find, uh, particularly those who may not have the, the level of experience, obviously, that you do, um, often uh, create issues for themselves in that behavioral issue. Um, uh, Carl, could you perhaps think about, or, or tell us what sort of advice, if any, you would have for a client of yours, or you know, let's talk about the imaginary technology entrepreneur who manifests with you know, tens of millions of dollars and they're, they're just starting out on their venture of managing a liquidity event and a, a vast amount of money. Having managed clients like that for an awful long time now with great success, what sort of advice would you have for them overarching to those clients to bear in mind as they set off on this, on this, on this trip? Well, I'll give you an example of one of those tech uh, entrepreneurs, actually one of the Google uh, founder group, one of the early Google players. Very hard to convince someone like that to take some money off the table because you see this company that you believe in, that you work day and night in, how it's growing and trying to explain that trees don't grow to this, the stars. It's just at some point, you have to think of your family, you have to take some money off the table, you have to diversify away from where you are. And I'm not saying you should sell it all. Stick with what you believe in, but make sure you diversify. Diversification is very important. And I can't say exactly what percentage you should diversify, but go away from what you do on a daily basis. And if you come in with a pile of cash, for instance, you've just sold your business, then try to see that you are a little bit in stocks, a little bit in bonds, that you are in private equity, that you are in hedge funds, that you are in, in uh, things that are not directly correlated to the market. You have some, um, some things that are good in an inflationary environment like commodities, like real estate, diversify. That's really important. And always, always, always think quality. Carl, that's been absolutely fascinating. Um, I, I thank you for your time. You've joined us here from Florida, your normal office in New York. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I know all of uh, my partners at Coda also uh, appreciate the continued idea sharing um, that we have with your firm, which is of great value to us. Um, thank you very much for your time. I will also give you the, the last word if there's any other 
points you would like to make to our listeners now is the time and then I'll thank you and let you uh, get on with your evening. Thank you, David. Uh, it's been very fun. Um, again, just to reiterate, stay invested, uh, stay diversified and always stick with quality. Thank you, David. Thanks for joining us, Carl. Thank you for listening to Inside the Rope with David Clark. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with David by visiting codacapital.com. views expressed in this recording represent the personal opinions of the speaker and do not represent the view of any other party. If this recording contains reference to any financial products, that reference does not constitute advice or recommendation and may not be relied upon. Listeners in Australia are encouraged to visit www.moneysmart.gov.au to obtain information regarding financial advice and investments.